I'm very happy to welcome today Mika Rock. She is a doula working in Montreal, Canada, and I have a few questions for her. First of all, Mika, welcome. Thank you so much for having me here today, Rivka. Could you introduce yourself for our listeners? I always like the people that I'm speaking to introduce themselves because you know yourself better than anyone else. Thank you. Yeah, that would be great. So, um, as you said, I'm Mika, Mika Rock. Um, I'll start with saying that I'm a mom of two. <laughs> and uh, my motherhood journey uh, started long before I had my own kids. Uh, I worked in education for many years where I got to really uh, be with uh, a lot of different families and children for many hours per day. And that was a real learning ground for me uh, and a place where I got to connect with with how um, I want to be a mother and, and my kind of life philosophy. Um, today I'm a birth doula, as you said, and that's mainly my focus in my life right now. I support families um, from fertility to pregnancy in labor and birth and then mostly early parenting, but sometimes uh, even beyond. Um, and I'm really passionate about this. Um, I find that one of my biggest, um, yeah, my biggest passions is to, to meet people where they are and to help them understand their options and choices uh, and to allow them to find their, their inner empowerment and strength no matter what shows up. Um, so, so that really is one of the things that kind of, uh, a flavor of what, of the work as a doula that I do, um, and a little bit about my background. So I said about education. So I used to be a science teacher. Uh, science is a big part of my life. I, I love, uh, learning, uh, about how, how we can, um, best support health in, in the safest and best way, but I also really um, am interested in, in research and understanding what, what is behind things. Um, so I'm, I'm a constant learner in that way. Um, I'm also a shiatsu therapist, and maybe I'll touch on that, that um, when I did my shiatsu school, that was for three years. And one of the biggest things I learned there for myself was how to rest, which uh, mm. was something that was not part of my way of living that much, uh, especially as a young adult. And, and during the shiatsu, I had amazing understandings with myself about those moments where you just, just allowing myself to be, and, and there's also a lot of touch involved in shiatsu. So when you learn shiatsu, you touch others and you get touched by others and you learn this language of listening to the body and the body's energy, listening to the chi. So that was mm. a very meaningful schooling for me. Um, that is, I think, evolving with me over the years and helps me a lot in my doula work. Um, and another piece I want to add is that I, um, after being a science teacher, uh, after my son uh, was born now 12 years ago, just this week, my son turned 12. 
this last Saturday. And um, when he was born, I realized that my life shifted. Like I, I couldn't go back to my full-time teaching job and mother him the way that I wanted to. And that really uh, created a big change in my life. Uh, and I became a yoga teacher. And uh, what called me to become a yoga teacher is, uh, is, is my teacher in Israel, Mira Artsipadan, that I met when I was on mat leave. And when I started practicing with her, I really felt that I found home. I found a place that I can connect with my body, with my cycles, with my uh, inner well-being. Um, and for many years, that was what I was teaching as well as a yoga teacher. Um, and then I met you, Rivka. <laughs> and you became, you became my teacher, and you still are my teacher and mentor. And I have so... Um, I, I love you so much and for everything that you've brought into my life. Uh, I'm super grateful and happy to, to be on this journey with you. And um, yeah, and since I joined you and went uh, to your doula school and uh, through uh, NBC and, and really um, I, I kind of stepped into doulaing with all of this in my, in my uh, kind of, bio or in my background and I felt that this is my life's work. This is where I uh, find myself connected in so many ways and uh, yeah so that's that's how I'll introduce myself today. <laughs> so I'm gonna go back and um, and ask you because I know a couple of other things about you. I know that you helped to create an a learning environment for children um, where there was open discussion between uh, the, the children and the adults involved and education was, was reasonably, let's say, free, let's use that word, free, where children were given the opportunity to learn at their own pace, um, where the restrictive practices of modern education were reduced. I also know you as a, as a yoga teacher and so in yoga, we do we do um, get ourselves into let's say difficult positions, and we learn to live with them and breathe with them, and that often helps people in their in their life. And so all of this coupled with what is happening now in the um, in the maternity system, um, I'm just wondering how. First of all, how do you deal with it? How do you deal with the new restrictions? And I guess backtracking a little bit, what are the restrictions with the pandemic? How do you, how can you describe them um, in our city to your listen to our listeners? And and what does it mean for you as a doula? How have you become more creative? What are you sad about? Uh, how do you treat your your the families you work with differently? Big big question. Just all everything all put together in one basically what has this pandemic done to the to to your to your work it's shifted it tremendously like i know for many but in the birth world it's really uh since march here in montreal the lockdown started march 13th 2020 and 
It went from uh, the last birth I supported in person was on March 12th uh, at the Glen, and then suddenly um, things just changed. And um, I think there's there's the pic- there's the pandemic and how I've been dealing with it, but there's also uh, I I come from the background that you mentioned where all my life I've been trying to to make uh, and create environments where we can thrive as humans, where we can be at our best, where we can feel seen and heard and safe. And now in the pandemic, it's even more challenging, but on that, um, just that place where we walk into a hospital to give birth uh, brings up a lot of questions for me. Um, why are we treating women this way? Uh, why are we treating birth uh, out of a place where we're constantly living it out of fear and trying to wait for that next thing to go wrong? Uh, when we have these amazing medical tools that can help us assess uh, constantly in many ways to know that things are going well and Going back to that innate wisdom of trust in the body and that birth is a natural event that mostly goes right. And uh, that's that's where I kind of, as a doula, I step into these births, especially in the hospital. I find my work becomes even more important to bridge between these two um, understandings of birth. And during the pandemic, it has taken me out of being present in the birth physically. And so between March and June, doulas in Montreal were not allowed uh, at the hospitals. We even had a period where there was one hospital who did not allow any support person to, to join. So the, the women would go in on their own to birth. And so Just and that, to clarify, their, their partner wasn't allowed in? Yes, exactly. And during that time, you said before sadness. So yes, I was sad, but I was also really angry mm. because I believe that there's it's a basic human right during labor to have the support of your choice. Any person giving birth has the right to have beside them the people that they feel safe with, that they feel that they can just let go because labor is a lot about being able to find that place where we can trust and relax and, and completely even I'll big, bring in a big word, but some, some of us find it during labor is, is this place of surrender. And to be that safe that you can just let go of control, you need to feel that your team, your environment is safe for you. Uh, and, and all of that was abruptly taken away from a system perspective. And there is a part of me that really understands why, because we were learning with the pandemic as we, during those months, what was safe, what wasn't, how this virus actually affects and is contagious. Uh, there was a big, big, steep learning curve there for everybody. Uh, and to keep the staff uh, healthy and, and safe was a top priority. Um, but then during the summer months here in Montreal, between June and uh, end of September, 
some of the hospitals, including also the birthing centers that we have here, that uh, uh, midwives accompany birth uh, there, they opened up. So during these months, and it was really quick, like I found myself during the lockdown supporting virtually, and then June, like I think it was two days after uh, the restrictions were changed, I was back in with, with the families during labor. Uh, and every hospital had their own way, their own protocol on how I could join. So really quickly, that's where creativity I find comes in and also our doula community, how we were basically sharing information on the different hospitals and how we can actually uh, go back in. Because some of them asked the, the doctor who's following the pregnancy would need to put a letter in for us to be able to, to come in. That was at one of the hospitals. Another hospital, you just got some questions asked at the entrance and then we were able, like COVID screening questions, and we were able to come in. So it was very different uh, approach in different places. But then we had the f a few, and there's hospitals that stayed closed. And those families that I uh, was with during some, some of them for months and months as a doula, I joined families whenever they want to start working with me. So, you know, some people, they, they are five weeks pregnant and they reach out to me and I start supporting them. So it's a ongoing relationship that is continuous and leading up to the labor and all this unknown that COVID brought in created more worry, more anxiety, more stress for, for many. Um, and still now, like we're still in it because since October 1st here in Montreal, uh, we're in what is called the red zone, and during the red zone, the restrictions are uh, one support person. And that means one support person in most hospitals from the labor and birth, and including postpartum. But I've also heard situations where sometimes a doula can go for the labor if the partner cannot be present, and then they switch off. So during this time around, between October and now, today, November 10th, uh, we are seeing some flexibility, but uh, it really depends where. Um, so supporting virtually as a doula is a huge compromise. I just want to put that out there. Like it's not mm. my first choice. Um, but I've had, I can say maybe the honor or just the situation that created uh, this reality where I've supported, uh, I was trying to count today how many births I've supported virtually. So I'm, I'm now close to 14. Like I'm four, yeah, 14 births. That was the last one in October that was virtual. Um, and, and I've also had the opportunity to be the one support person. I've supported a single mom. And I've supported uh, another mom who another uh, mom who decided to um, have me come, and the dad um, was not present. So it really, but these are rare choices that show up sometimes. Most mm. uh, birth givers they they choose to have their partner there. Um, and one of the big things that doulas can still offer is at the moment, this was not possible during the lockdown, but now we are going to homes. If, if, our, um, if the mom is interested in laboring at home as long as possible and to leave to the hospital really in advanced labor, then that's an option that I find is really, can be really helpful during this time. 
Um, so this is something that is possible and we are doing and I am doing and, uh, but not every labor has that window of opportunity. Um, yeah. so, so it really is a place where we in labor and part of what I love about this work is that every labor is different. Every time I support someone, I learn so, so much because it shows up in its own unique way. And uh, I get to show up in the way that they need me in every moment of time. And, and it's the same right now during the pandemic. So sometimes I get to join at home and sometimes that's not what they are interested in. So I support by phone and text. And then during labor, it really depends. And this is where I partner up and team up even more with the partners because during active labor, um, during the time where a person's giving birth, they, they're not really going to start calling me in that much. It's more the partner who does. And um, I find that I give the partners like a, a mini doula course <laughs> in my prenatal mm. right now, where I give them lots of tools, but more than the tools, I give them an understanding of how I walk into a birth as a doula more like what's the state of mind and how important mm. it is, how the presence is important and that there's a lot of time during a labor where we're just there and we're there and calm and present. And, and many times that the, the, the birth giver labors on their own and we, we are just that be feeling of co-regulation that happens like, our nerve systems co-regulate and having somebody with you, even when you're going through something really intense that is holding a calm can make a huge difference. So, so that's part of, of what I talk about and, and also what I'm, what I am looking at in a labor. Uh, I can give an example for that too. Um, one of the questions that I ask is how, how can, the birth giver be more comfortable like what can I do or sometimes it's not even I don't need to do anything because she's figuring it out and I'm just there but sometimes it can be and you taught me this Rifka just to put a hand on the shoulder just to feel that I, I find that it gives that message I got you I got your back I'm here mm -hmm. for you and and that can sometimes be all that is needed uh, and it's it's a very uh I, I believe, and I think another thing I learned from you is that any kind of um, any kind of distraction that we do during a birth is an intervention. So even a massage, uh, um, offering to change position, all of these things uh, are uh, something that comes from the outer world. And when we approach, it needs to be from a place where we understand that this is really something that is wanted and needed. Um, so it's, these are the things that I share now with you, with everyone, but also with the dads. Uh, mm. and when we see that the birth giver is in a rhythm in a place where they are repeating something over and over, then, then they're, that's, that's the birth zone. That's the place where we don't need to do. We just need to be. Um, and I find that many of the partners really step into this role where they're more present, where they take on themselves to be more um, support, but not everybody, 
and that's those are the places where I really feel that I wish I could join. Mm. Um, and also, they call me in a lot for just to read the situation. So if if there's any kind of uh, intensity that is not coped well with, they'll call me in, and and then we can try things together. So sometimes I found so myself. Sorry. Have you noticed that there are more interventions um, when you're supporting a family virtually than if you're present physically? It depends on the hospital, I have to say, but some of the hospitals have escalated in interventions since COVID. Like I feel that there's there's this mentality in some of the places where we ne we need to get it going, we need to move forward, and even I was at a this was actually a labor I attended in June where I felt the difference between March and June, like that lockdown and what it had created in the birth room. Um, even before monitoring the contractions long enough to see how active the labor was, Pitocin was introduced as an mm. option. This is the next step. And I'm so happy I was there. And I could just say, can we maybe wait? Let's wait. Mm -hmm. Let's wait and see. And the labor just rocked right in and it was there was no need for really anything um so so the definitely i'll say that in in some situations yes but not always and i think that the active management of birth some of the medical staff are really in that mindset and others aren't so we we have all kinds of nurses and doctors out there um and um yeah in, in in this in these couple of months my big thing i'm coming I'm, my my background in education has really brought me to the understanding is we need to change the way that nurses and doctors uh get educated for this role <laughs> that's where i absolutely find yeah the the real shift will start happening the real change will start happening when the conversation is going to be changed early on and 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 that's but do you think do you think it's the individuals because um if you look at just just a simple example if you look at uh the the struggles that birthing women were taking upon themselves in the like from the 1950s onwards through the 60s and 70s they were fighting back then for the um right just for their partners to come into the birthing room with them let alone anyone else and um and now it's just strange that that uh that that has been pushed back because of a pandemic it seems to me that there's a that there's a system there that's working pretty well to to alienate women to to oppress women within the hospital system and i'm not sure the educating the players in that system is I'm not sure that's going to be enough because I know so many doctors and nurses that are well-meaning people and they end up just with with being getting burnt out just like, you know, an, a lot of other people in the care in the in care provider setting. So what are your thoughts on that? That the way the system is built is is completely wrong really when it comes to birth and it, it it's grinding everybody 
Um, and I, I like a big difference that I'll give an example, a birth that I attended at a birthing center in October. I was the one support person. Um, they allowed a lot of rest and in, you could see that the labor needed time and the birth giver needed, she needed just time to rest in between for the labor to continue. And because I support so many births in the hospital, I know that this wouldn't have been allowed mm. and they would have given her Pitocin to pick things up, just looking at the timeline and on how things showed up and walking home from that birth. I was just at awe on how, how birth can be different when these very simple things that are all there can be respected. And in the hospital, just like you said, we're, we're not really, birth is not respected in, in, in these fundamental, basic ways that I believe, and I know we're on the same page on this, that, that, that it should be, because it's, it's really taking away the agency the emotional well-being, and and really, uh, I've seen moms being, I call it pumped, which is not the right word, but this is how it looks to me. When Pitocin is given, it's, it, it's not stopped. And for me, in certain situations, like you can decide to take pain medication and see if that helps. It's not always going to be fully covering, but as long as baby's okay, we're just going to continue giving this very strong drug that creates very strong surges, and we're going to do everything possible to get that baby out fast. Is that how we step into a birth? Is this something, I don't think a lot of birth birthing women know that sometimes this is how it can show up. And that for me is really not acceptable and in those moments I am I am angry as a doula and I find that sometimes I can also feel really lonely because in this work we get to see a lot of things happen at the hospital that can you know it really raises um, a lot of eyebrows when it's talked about outside of it but in the hospital the system is so well um, established that it's not even frowned upon it's not even questioned it's just how this is done and it's it misses a lot of really important basic uh, things that are overlooked and just trampled. And um, it it is a full on system shift that needs to happen. And you touched upon the fifties, and I was part of founding a school back in the day. And one of the big things I learned is that the way the story that is being told as something is, is, is actually being established. And let's say the story of obstetrics, when that was established, uh, is, is still alive and strong today. And seeing birth as um, something that can go wrong all the time, like that's the mindset that we're still uh, living in the hospitals. Uh, and, and that's the story that needs to be changed. Like there's a fundamental shift in how the system views birth that needs to happen, but I believe it needs to happen from many different angles. Like, And one big one, which I'll join you on, Rivka, is, is to take birth out of the hospitals. Like that would be 
uh, the best case. That would be the dream where we'll have birthing centers where when you're giving birth, you can go there and know that the medical equipment that is needed, if there's a case of the rare situations where there's a need for it, it's there. Uh, and, it, and, and there's enough space for everybody to, to actually uh, have that as, as the first option. And there's many countries where this exists, like Holland. And um, I know that uh, Sweden is, is now giving much more uh, support and continuity of care, which I think that is huge too. Having a midwife follow you from day one of your pregnancy and also actually being the person who is present for you during labor and then also following up with you postpartum. That's the medical model that I wish <laughs> we would have here in Montreal for, for everybody who, who is interested in and, and is, is low risk and is, this would be the best option. Um, I think one of the things that has to change as well as the language, like you just said following that's supporting the right no i would say following is exactly right because the, the 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 pregnant woman is the is is leading she's the center mm -hmm. of the event she's leading the event um the one word that that always bothers me as well is allowed i i don't even know how that even belongs in in birth you know that i mean i do actually i don't think that a doctor should be ever be allowed to do anything that the woman hasn't specifically agreed, but that a woman wouldn't be allowed to walk around, to eat, you know, to any number of things. Everyone that's attended a hospital birth knows all the things that a woman isn't allowed to do. And so as soon as you say you're not allowed, then it already creates a, a, a mindset of power and as soon as the power's there, then there's someone that has power and someone that doesn't have power. And when yes. we're speaking about birth, who has the power? I mean, who really has the power? The person who's giving obviously. birth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> obviously, right? Yes, yes. And so and we've turned that on our head. I mean, I haven't turned it on its head, but it's Neither certainly looking upside down to me. It is, and it's a constant, um, there's a lot of work in, in, in birth today because there's that tension and that power struggle, really. And who, who gets to make the decision? Who has the final word? When, when is it important to, to actually follow uh, the medical advice? You know, when it is a medical emergency, it's, it's important. It's not the time to ask questions, but most of the time, almost all of the time, there's lots of time to ask all the questions if they need to come up. You know, it's I find that the questions come up because there's so many interventions that we need to question them. But are there mm. are these interventions actually necessary? Mostly no. Yeah. So so that's that's kind of uh, like informed consent is is something that is talked about a lot, and I turn that into informed choice. Like, I don't believe that it's enough that somebody just tells you what they're going to do. That's important. You don't touch anybody. You don't do anything to somebody without letting them know that it's going to happen. But even before that, there's a step before that where you allow them to understand what the options are 
and then you allow them to make their own decisions and choose the best option that they see for themselves, their baby, their body, their family. That's, that's such an important moment during labor, I find, that can often be overlooked, that decision-making moment that as a doula, I try to pause and expand it and allow time for, for, for that understanding to happen. And there's like a truth finding in that moment that not necessarily was even thought of before because when we prenatally envision our birth and we learn about it and we read about it and we hear about it, there's only so much we'll cover because during your labor, things can show up very differently than what you ever dreamt of. And then as a doula, I find in real time, that's such an important moment. And especially in a hospital birth, when there's a lot of these moments where you need to understand what, what, what is happening right now. Um, so, so to say, okay, let's take a few breaths. Let's notice what's going on. What are our options? It doesn't have to happen right now in most cases. Like one of the big ones is artificially rupturing the membranes, which I find is, is one of the, it's like a default at the hospitals. It's like they really want to do it. And if you don't stop them, <laughs> basically that will probably happen at your labor. Uh, so how important it is to question that moment and is, is this something that I really want right now and what happens if I wait? What happens if I just allow labor to take its course? And that's, um, yeah. So going back to the pandemic, one of the biggest things that I feel angry about is those moments where I can't actually see when the doctor is reaching for something and they're not opening yeah. up the questions. Yeah. I'm not there physically. So um even if you bring me on video, there, the, there's moments there that I don't fully see as much as I would if I would be present. And Absolutely. And there are things you don't feel, just intuit, intu intuitively. Yeah. And I miss that because I find that that's a, such an important part. It's not always the partner or the woman who's giving birth who can read the situation the mm -hmm. way a doula can because we've been there so many times and have a lot of experience to understand the situation and then we can ask them okay would you like to ask the doctor this and, and that can shift the course of a labor completely because one of my one of my um, families she she brought it up so beautifully she said that the moment she realized that she was going to receive an epidural she understood that she was going on a different train and mm. once she stepped on that train, the stations of interventions that she was going to experience during that labor will be completely different than what would have happened if she wouldn't have taken that epidural. Mm. And I find that often when I support uh, a woman when she doesn't want an epidural, when I'm there and, and physically there, in most cases, that actually is something that is, it, it can, it, it's, it's, it's really possible and happens a lot. Very rare mm -hmm. cases, sometimes if it's a super long, long, long labor, that would maybe be one of the examples that it maybe could be changed. But just that moment where she understood um, that she wanted it and we had tried everything possible 
uh, for her at that, at that moment. And I now know after the labor too that the baby uh, was high and minus two for a longer time. And I think the uterus was trying to move her baby and was really, really bringing on strong uh, surges for her. So that was a very intense time for her. Um, and I think she made a wise choice for herself. But just to say that it's important to know that the choices that you make during labor will pivot your labor in a certain direction. And that the end, like the destination, will be your baby will be born. But any choice that you make with interventions on the way will create sometimes um, like an escalation where a cascade of interventions can happen. And that's important to acknowledge that. <laughs> Beforehand and yeah. then in, in, in the in, in the real time of, of labor. You know, I just uh, I'm just marveling at a, a couple of things. I just I don't understand why so many thousands of women, he healthy pregnant women, go into the hospital and get treated so badly constantly. I don't understand why there isn't a huge surge of women just just staying home and having their babies and and further than that i know that many of the medical um maternity care workers are not they've never seen an undisturbed birth i remember what the the biggest baby's birth that i ever attended as a as a doula i was in the hospital and um the mum uh, was just constantly having to kind of argue with people that wanted to intervene that baby was too big and she needed a C-section, she needed this, she needed that, and she just continued to labor and basically ignore everyone um, until finally the baby was born uh, and the baby was 12 pounds, 7 ounces, which is a pretty hefty wow. baby. Um, and and afterwards, the um, the, the young resident came to me and and he said you know that 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 was amazing i i never realized that could even happen i said what's the biggest baby you've seen born vaginally up until now and he said oh around eight pounds <laughs> so they don't even see the variety and the and the the spectrum of how birth can happen in an undisturbed way what is what what can we do what is your answer when I arrive with families, when they are in active labor and very advanced, I find that there's moments where birth is already so established that they, they can't disturb it anymore. Uh, I had a birth in September where she walked in and they kept her quite long in triage. So after about an almost an hour, she walked out on her two feet and said, I'm 10 centimeters, let's go. I'm ready to birth this baby. And maybe just an anecdote for you, Rivka, she's a runner, so she, she, she was so strong during this labor. And then when she came into the birth room, she, she birthed her baby on all four. And what I'm coming to is that the nurse that was present for this said, I've never seen a baby born, born this way. And now yeah. I know that it's possible. And, and that for me, it, I'm happy that she now saw it. You know, this is yeah. an opportunity to spread this knowledge and to really witness that this is something that actually exists. <laughs> but then mm -hmm. I'm also baffled that she's been yeah. through nursing school and she has 
I think she's been on the floor for quite a few years and this is just not right uh, in my mind because this, you know, choosing this, the, the position you want to breathe your baby out is not something that should be dictated. Uh, it should and be And that's such felt. a common position for women yeah. that are birthing spontaneously. That is such a common position. So yes, baffled is a wonderful word because it, 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 that's what I'm feeling these days. I'm feeling baffled. I'm feeling baffled that we keep on going back. And and I'm very interested in hearing you speak about it because it it is so in so many ways so familiar to me when I think about our, you know, universal education is is can be really abusive at at its worst and it can be incredibly mediocre and creativity stifling at at kind of the middle ground. You know, so so I think educate, universal education, universal maternity care um, in our culture is, is pretty much based on a power struggle that, that I'm hoping will, will end, but it's not going to end if people just keep toddling up to the hospital and getting treated badly. But they feel safe there. Like I have to say that many of the families that I support, and that's where I feel I'm radical in my views of, of what I know and believe about birth. But then when I work with people, I support them wherever they feel the safest. And for, for many, that is the hospital. So that's the, this podcast of yours and this time that we spend here together revealing and talking about it in this way, I find is, is one of our ways to uh, raise awareness to, to mm. what is happening. And there needs to be a huge priority shift, both by the families uh, and then also by the system. And one of the things I came across strongly when I was pregnant and gave birth is how vulnerable we are, we are during this time in our lives. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's activism and stepping up and, and, and hearing, like putting your voice out there takes a lot of energy and a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of resources, really. Absolutely. And when you're growing a human inside you and, and you're giving birth and then you have this very vulnerable human to take care of and you yourself are vulnerable, it just creates a situation where you're not available to speak up for yourself. But I really wish that there, there was um, a movement and I know there are countries where this exists, where uh, if you are feeling in a situation where you've been abused or you've been traumatized or you've come across uh, a situation where you feel that disjustice has been done for you from, from very basic things like choosing place of birth, to give birth, that for me is like one of the most fundamental things because that will help support or not support you during labor. Um, I, I really believe that we need a place where, where all of these uh, people can go to and, and feel that they can be heard and supported and, and, and a lobby can be created mm. out of that. And it has to, I, I think that as doulas, uh, we are there to support the families, but we are also more available to do this work. 
mm-hmm. um, because we're not taking most of us are not taking care of tiny humans right now when our hands are more free <laughs> yeah. and our time is more available. So so that would be something that I for sure, if this was uh, strong and and existing here, I would I would be there and and wanting to be really active. Well, I know I have a lot of mothers calling me who say that they had their first baby in the hospital and they absolutely are not having their second there. So there is a movement. We need to make it bigger. Let's 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 make a stand. Absolutely. Yeah. And but and I just when you said that that platform. Yeah. And not a virtual one. I mean not like, you know, a social media one, but an actual safe actual place where where people will will be able to come and know that they can get answers. And I just had a vision when you said that the families feel safe in the hospital. Of course they do, because there's no other place where they can feel safe. But just imagine all of you listeners out there that have had babies or you're thinking of having babies or your birth companions, just imagine how safe a woman would feel if she was laboring in her own home where she was comfortable and she was surrounded by people who supported her and she knew that her safety and her well-being and the sacred nature of her birth was in was the utmost importance to every single person there that's that's really safe mm-hmm. that isn't a you know a white coat covered authority safe that's actual safe and I know that women don't feel safe in that environment right now because that environment doesn't exist right now, except for, you know, and I mean, it does exist, but it's not the common route that people take. So I'd like to start a movement where we can create that. I'm the first member. I think there are a lot I'm, of other members out there. I'm your second member. I'm there with there you. There we go. We are starting a movement. Anyone who's interested, come and join up. Yes. Wow, Rivka, I'm excited. This is, yeah, <laughs> this is an important moment. I find that here in Montreal, this is exactly what we need. I believe that there's an important moment happening worldwide. I believe that the pandemic, whatever you want to believe about the virus and the the whatever, mask wearing and all the stuff. But be that as it may, this pandemic has created a lens for us all to look at the cracks in our own lives, in, in, in the system that we live in, in our choices in life. And I think that it's time right now that we can actually start to vision a change in the way that we give birth. Yes. So my final question for you, Mika, is if there was only one word that you would like to leave for our listeners, what would it be? I would say sacred. Sacred. Mm. Yeah. That's, yeah, I'm not going to say more, just sacred, sacred birth. Thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you for coming on the show and keep on doing your good work. I just all the strength to you, all the power. And yeah, let's get started. I'm with you and it means so much to me to to be here with you. So let's there's lots of work to be done. <laughs> there is. Yeah. Thank you.